How's everyone doing out there? It is my honor to introduce our next speaker, uh, Mr. Robert Spencer. Mr. Robert Spencer is the director of Jihad Watch and a Shulman Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center. He is the author of 27 books, including the New York Times bestsellers, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Islam and the Crusades, and The Truth About Muhammad. His most recent book, The Sumter Gambit, How the Left is Trying to Foment a Civil War, was released earlier this year. Spencer has led seminars on Islam and Jihad for the FBI, the U.S. Central Command, the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College, the U.S. Army's Asymmetric Warfare Group, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, the Justice Department's Anti-Terrorism Advisory Council, and the U.S. Intelligence Community. He has also discussed Jihad, Islam, and terrorism at a workshop sponsored by the U.S. State Department and the German Foreign Ministry. He is also a senior fellow with the Center for Security Policy. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Robert Spencer. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here. It's always great to talk to the young activists who come to YAF. And I am here, first off, unfortunately, with a warning that they, for young activists, there is an elaborate effort afoot to set a very large trap. And you need to be aware of it. Uh, the political and media elites are doing nothing less right now, and this is not crazy or hysterical, this is unfortunately the case, they are trying actually to bring about, not to prevent, but to bring about a new civil war. And there are reasons why this is so. One of the foremost reasons is that they are leftists, and leftists are authoritarians who hate dissent. Every time there has been a leftist regime in the world, it has cracked down on those who disagree and arrested them and put them in camps and all the rest of it. These people who are in charge today in the Biden administration and elsewhere in the corridors of power are leftists who are no less intolerant of dissent. But this is the United States of America. We have a constitution and laws, and the Constitution's First Amendment guarantees the freedom of speech. So, it's not so easy to crack down on dissent. What do you do if you're a good authoritarian leftist and you want to destroy dissent, but the, law, the basic law of the country in which you're operating allows for loyal and peaceful dissent within the bounds of the law. You have to lay a trap, and this is what's being done. We see the clearest evidence for this in Joe Biden's speech from September 1st, 2022. You may remember it. It was a very well-publicized speech, and the photos that came out at the time were very strange because it was lit ominously in red and black. And you never see the President of the United States. It used to be the Presidents of the United States. If you go on YouTube, you can see the old talks of Presidents going back to the beginning of television, and they're always sitting in the Oval Office. And so the backdrop is the photos they have on their desk or whatever, or behind their desk, and that's it. Obama actually was the first to start speaking from elsewhere, and 
Biden took it another step by not only speaking in front of this strange, ominously lit red and black backdrop, but also standing in front of a couple of Marines. Now, why would he have a couple of Marines behind him and a red and black backdrop? Well, in the first place, red and black, what is the symbolism there? Where have you seen those colors in a combination before? If you look at the flag of National Socialist, which is what Nazi means, Nazi Germany. Am I saying Biden's a Nazi and he's a new Hitler? No, no, no. I am saying that what they are trying to do is put you in mind of famous authoritarian, totalitarian, repressive regimes in the past. And how did Hitler and Stalin and other authoritarian rulers keep their power? They did so by crushing dissent militarily and Joe has a couple of Marines behind him, this is another signal. This is all very carefully planned symbolism. But what he said is more important than the symbolism, although it all goes together. What he said during that speech was that Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent a threat to the very foundations of the Republic. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent a threat to the very foundations of the republic. Now, it might be easy to brush that off and say, well, you know, this is politics, and in politics there are disagreements, and very, sometimes very hot disagreements, and Trump and the Republicans have said very, very nasty things about Biden, and he's saying something very nasty about Trump, big deal. But it's not so much that he's criticizing him, it's what he's saying that he's a threat to the republic, and that those who support him are a threat to the republic. The republic has been around since 1776, and we've had presidents since 1789, and political parties since around 1796 or thereabouts. And there have been very, very hot disagreements between the leader of the opposition, and the president of the United States numerous times in American history. And never once, ever, before, has any president ever said that his leading opponent, and whatever you think of Trump, he's the primary opponent of Joe Biden right now, never before has a president said that his leading opponent was outside the bounds of what's acceptable political discourse in the United States, which is what Biden was saying. Never before has a president said that the, essentially the leader of the opposition was a threat to the very way that the republic operates. This has never happened before in American history, and it's very ominous. There's no sugarcoating it, because what Joe Biden was saying was that if you are Donald Trump, which I believe you're not. I don't, is he here? Um, anyway, if you were a MAGA Republican or a supporter of Trump or somebody who wants to make America great again, because that's what MAGA means, then you are outside what's acceptable in American politics. So what he's saying is that 74 million people who voted for Trump in 2020 are outside what's acceptable in American politics. Half the country has gone beyond the bounds of what ought to be allowed. Now you see, that's the first step toward outlawing the opposition. 
you say that they are a threat to the very foundations of the republic. There is a guy who did something very much like this. No American president ever said anything like this. But there is a guy who did, and that was Adolf Hitler, yet, yet again. And once again, I'm not saying that Biden is Hitler or that he's going to put everybody in concentration camps or something of that kind. But the analogy is important because Hitler first became the chancellor, which is like the prime minister, of the Weimar Republic, which was, by its very name, a republic. The republic that was the government of Germany between World War I and World War II. And Hitler came to power by becoming the chancellor of that republic. And so he was a duly appointed official, appointed by the president in how their system worked, after he won an election. Now, Hitler wanted to be a dictator. This was not a secret. Everybody knew that when they were voting for Hitler, they were voting for a guy who was saying what Germany needs is not this republic, but a dictatorship. But he did it all legally. The Weimar Republic's constitution allowed for the chancellor to be given dictatorial powers in a crisis if the Reichstag, which was like the Congress of Germany, approved it and voted and said, yeah, the emergency is so bad, we have to give the chancellor dictatorial powers. It was supposed to be for a temporary period. And it had to be in a deep crisis. And it had to be with a majority in the Reichstag. But Hitler did not have a majority in the Reichstag. And the Communist Party, which was very, very powerful in Germany in those days, actually was against Hitler becoming a dictator. And so, the Reichstag caught fire on February 27, 1933, which was less than a month after Hitler took power. It's like if the US Capitol were to catch fire. And Hitler blamed the Communist Party for the fire, said the communists are trying to destroy our republic. And so he outlawed the Communist Party. Now, as this happened, that meant that the people who were in the Reichstag, who were in the Congress, who were from the Communist Party, I'm not saying the communists were good guys, by the way, they're no good guys in this story, but they were the ones standing between Hitler and dictatorship. Once they were gone, he had them arrested, even the people who were in Congress, and once they were gone, he had a majority. And the Reichstag voted him dictatorial powers. That was it. That was the end of the Republic in Germany. Now, in the United States, you have Joe Biden saying that MAGA Republicans are the threat to the very foundations of the republic. That's the first step. That is just exactly analogous to Hitler saying the communists burned down the Reichstag. They're a threat to the very foundations of the republic, and we have to outlaw them. And so the next step is to begin the arrests. And actually, that's already started. There was a gentleman named Douglas Mackey. He, he, he went by the name Ricky Vaughn on Twitter back in 2016. And he, he was a meme artist. He put up memes. And one of the memes that he put up said, vote for, vote, uh, for Hillary by text. F avoid the lines. Text this number and you voted. It was a joke. You can't really vote by text. 
there was a Hillary supporter who put up exactly the same meme, the opposite meme, and that was, vote for Trump on Wednesday, avoid the lines on Tuesday. There's no voting on Wednesday. Tuesday is election day. It was a joke. The Trump supporter, Douglas Mackey, was just uh, convicted of election interference, and he faces 10 years in prison. Whereas the Hillary supporter who posted the other meme was not arrested or prosecuted. Trump, of course, himself, there was an FBI raid on his home. Why was there an FBI raid on his home? Because he apparently had classified documents in an unsecured manner. Joe Biden had classified documents kept in an unsecured location at his home, in his garage. Was there a raid on his home? There was not. Now, Trump is facing no less than 400 years in prison as he prepares to go on trial for the mishandling of classified documents. Biden is not facing any charges for the mishandling of classified documents. So what we have here is very clearly a two-tier system in which an authoritarian lawless regime is operating, is, is manipulating the systems that were put in place to safeguard our republic in order to destroy it and to destroy legitimate opposition. There are many, many other examples I could give, and I will give one more, and that is Mark Houck, who is a pro-life activist. And he was involved in a minor physical altercation with a pro-abortion activist outside an abortion clinic because the, he, he was there with his little son and the pro-abortion guy was getting in his face and screaming obscenities and saying terrible things in front of his son and also blocking his way and keeping on as he walked along, getting in, trying to get in his face and keep on screaming all this horrible stuff. So finally, Mark Houck pushed him aside, whereupon the pro-abortion activist elaborately fell over and claimed that he had been assaulted and claimed that Mark Houck had hit him and so on. None of it was true and none of it held up in court. But on the charge alone, a SWAT team went out from the FBI and with their machine guns drawn, they banged on the door of Mark's, Mark Houck's home and arrested him while his children screamed in terror and wondered why, and his wife was there saying, why is, why is this excessive force being used? Why are you drawing your guns on this man when he's just a, a, a peaceful activist? There has never been an Antifa rioter or a Black Lives Matter rioter or anybody on the left who has been arrested with an, a SWAT team and all that display of firepower. And yet he's not the only one that has happened to. So it is increasingly clear that like all other leftist regimes in history, this regime is intolerant of dissent, wants to destroy it, and is working to destroy it by trying to characterize the opposition as terrorists, as outside the bounds of what's acceptable, 
and as needing to be thus subjected to legal penalties rather than dealt with as equals and, and dealt with in terms of discussion and debate and the free exchange of ideas. And this is, of course, because they know that they would lose in a free exchange of ideas and that they can't stand up to debate. So they're bypassing all that. Now, this is a very bleak picture and you have to understand where we are in order to get where we want to be. At the same time, this is a glorious time to be alive and you're very lucky to live at this time and be young activists at this time. And you may think that that's strange, but the very fact that we're able to have this conversation is a tremendous indication of hope. The very fact that we are still able to discuss these things and that there is no legal penalty for doing so is an indication that the truth has not been crushed and that America is still a constitutional republic. The game, in other words, is not over. We are dealing with authoritarians. We are dealing with fascists. We have to understand that. But they haven't won and they may not win. That's up to us. Let me tell you about the Disinformation Governance Board. Did anybody hear about the Disinformation Governance Board? A few people have. Another indication of the authoritarian nature of this regime was the Disinformation Governance Board, which was founded inside, ominously enough, here again, the Department of Homeland Security. Because the Department of Homeland Security, you recall, was founded after 9-11 to deal with terrorism and terrorists. Who are the terrorists as far as the Biden regime is concerned? Well, that's us. There were parents who were protesting at school board meetings about all the craziness being taught in the schools these days, which I'm sure you're familiar with. All the LGBTQ agenda being aggressively pushed on students and the critical race theory, which is just a recipe for racial divisiveness and disharmony rather than national unity. And they were protesting. And the Biden FBI actually classified the parents who were protesting at school board meetings in an entirely peaceful and lawful manner as terrorists. The, the, the uh, Department of Homeland Security is now, in other words, being weaponized against the American people rather than against the actual terrorists. So the Disinformation Governance Board was all part of that. And a woman was appointed named Nina Jankowitz to be the head of this new uh, program within the Department of Homeland Security that would fight against disinformation. Now, what's disinformation? According to the Biden administration, it's lies, essentially. It's false statements. It's false claims that mislead people and can sometimes lead to dangerous situations. Like they say that the 2020 general election was entirely on the up and up and there was no election fraud and every bit of it was good. And so to say otherwise, they say is disinformation. Now, there are other people, of course, who say, well, there's actually plenty of evidence that not everything was on the up and up in regard to the 2020 election in various ways. And who gets to decide what's disinformation and what is maybe an unpopular minority view, something of that kind? 
Well, that's what the Disinformation Governance Board was going to do. They would decide what was disinformation, and they would outlaw it on that basis, and as part of the Department of Homeland Security, likely proceed against it as if it were a national security threat. <clears throat> now, one example of how this is so dangerous is Hunter Biden's laptop. Anybody heard of Hunter Biden's laptop? Most of you have. Very good. Hunter Biden, of course, is the son of Joe, and he's a crack addict, and he took his, he actually took two laptops to be repaired to a uh, computer repair shop, and then he forgot that he left them there. And so after a year or so, when they were essentially unclaimed property, the computer repairman, John Paul MacIsaac, he uh, no notified the FBI because there was a great deal of compromising information on these laptops. There was in the first place a lot of lurid information about Hunter's very seamy personal life. But aside from that, there was clear evidence that he was selling influence, that he was selling access to his famous father while he was vice president. There's plenty of evidence also that Hunter continues to sell access to his, to his father because, I mean, his father who is now president. Did you know that Hunter is now a great artist? Yes. You ever heard of Pablo Picasso? Famous artist. Anybody hear of Pablo? Few people have heard of Pablo Picasso. Great artist. His, one of his paintings recently sold for $150,000. Hunter Biden, the son of the President of the United States, he's also an artist. And now he's no Picasso, but one of his paintings recently sold for $500,000. Now, do you think that Hunter Biden is really three, four times better an artist than Pablo Picasso, who's one of the world-renowned great masters of artistic history? No, it's just that Hunter Biden's dad is president. So you buy one of Hunter's paintings, and then you get a meeting with Joe, and then you get what you want from Joe, probably have to grease his palm as well, and everybody's happy. Anyway, a lot of this stuff is on Hunter's laptop, and it was turned over to the FBI, and the FBI did nothing with it. And as the news of it came out before the 2020 election, Trump started talking about it, and 51 top intelligence professionals, including the former head of the CIA and the former director of national intelligence, they said, Hunter's laptop is fake. It's Russian disinformation trying to influence the election for Trump. As it turned out, of course, Hunter's laptop is very real. And so who was purveying the disinformation? Some of the most respected intelligence officials in the United States. But the Disinformation Governance Board was not designed to rein them in. It was designed to rein in people who would dare to talk about something like Hunter Biden's laptop. So, the thing about the Disinformation Governance Board, however, is that it has a happy ending. As it came out that the administration had established something like this, the story got weirder and weirder. Nina Jankowitz, the head of it, she has a video, you can still find the video readily, singing to the tune of, of a song from Mary Poppins, uh, singing about stamping out disinformation. 
I mean, it, 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 she loves this stuff. She loves censorship, in other words. She loves forcibly silencing people. And all the forcibly silenced people that she had in mind, that she mentioned specifically, were patriots, were people who are on the right, people who are not part of the leftist political and media elites, people who reject what the left is telling us. What a coincidence. But as more of it came out, and as it came, became clear that the administration was intending to use this to silence Americans who were saying things that they didn't like. Remember, this is also around the same time that the Biden administration was working with Twitter to actually get people banned if they said things about COVID and the COVID vaccines that the administration didn't like. Now, as it turned out, those people were right. But at that time, it was disinformation. Now, the good news is people reminded the administration that we have the First Amendment that protects the freedom of speech. The freedom of speech is the indispensable foundation of any free society. If you're going to have a free society in which people's rights are respected, you have to have the freedom of speech. If you do not have the freedom of speech, you do not have a free society. Because then, if you do not have the freedom of speech, if you have any group that you're not allowed to criticize, if you have anything you're not allowed to say, even if it really is wrong, then you don't have, you, you are allowing a group or an individual free reign to do whatever they want and you can't say anything. So if you have a tyrant who really is a tyrant and the tyrant can crack down on you and silence you, then you have no recourse. But if you can say, hey, this guy's a tyrant, this guy is being unjust. This guy is an enemy of the freedom of speech and trying to destroy legitimate opposition in the Republic. Then you've got a shot because you can alert people to the threat and they can deal with it accordingly. So the disinformation governance board faced a barrage of criticism and was ultimately discarded which shows that the Biden administration hates dissent and wants to establish an authoritarian regime, but it's not so easy in the United States. And the more we push back, the harder it gets for them to be able to get away with it. So what they're trying to do is create a win-win situation for themselves. I started out at the beginning saying they're trying to provoke a new civil war. And the way that they're trying to do that is by pushing patriots pushing decent people, pushing people who love America and don't want to see it destroyed, pushing people who are not socialist internationalists into doing something illegal, doing something they can portray as illegal, doing something that they can use in however way to say, see, they really are threats to the Republic. They really are terrorists and we have to crack down. And this is why it's important for us to speak out and never be intimidated and never be cowed into silence, no matter what they call us and what they do. But at the same time, to never think that, oh, it's uh, legal means are exhausted. We have to go into illegal activity or we have to do something outside the bounds of the law. This is just what they want because that would justify the crackdown that would allow them to implement the authoritarian regime that they really do want. Now, you may think this is all very strange and that it's completely extreme to say that Joe 
is not a president like all the other presidents before him, although there's plenty of reasons to think that, and that they don't respect the basics of the U.S. Constitution. Unfortunately, they have given us far too much evidence of that. When you have the two-tier justice system and the prosecution of Trump on the one hand for alleged crimes that are exactly the same as what Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden have done and nothing happens to them. You have the sweetheart deal that Hunter Biden just got. He was investigated by the Justice Department and he's getting a token penalty for tax evasion and for uh, illegal non-registration of a handgun. And nothing is done about his influence peddling, but then the Justice Department can say, see, we don't have a two-tier justice system because we did prosecute Hunter Biden. Well, kind of, but it was all just for show. And it was all just to deflect attention away from his much more serious crimes. So the key point here is never be deterred, never be intimidated, never give up and work to draw attention to the authoritarian tendencies of this regime and its opposition to legitimate dissent and continue giving them more of that legitimate dissent all the time. They cannot possibly arrest and persecute every last one of us if we are all standing up and resolved not to give in under any circumstances. So on that note, I will thank you all for being here once again. <clears throat> We have time if for you have some questions, questions. Yes. so if you'd like to line up with my colleague Michael back there, and remember to state your name, your school, and a brief question. Hello, my name is John Semple, I'm a uh, homeschooler from Southern California, and my question is this, the news sources and the liberal politicians oftentimes spin the narrative the exact opposite way of it is. So they'll say that conservatives are doing something that obviously the liberals did first, or they will just completely be hypocritical, and it seems like it's pretty intentional. Why do you think they do that, and how do, you, how do you think we can counteract that narrative? Well, it's an effective tactic. It's an old adage, accuse your enemy of that which you're guilty of. Uh, sometimes it's attributed to Joseph Goebbels, the propaganda minister for National Socialist Germany. Uh, but whether or not he said it, he certainly did it, and other authoritarian uh, rulers and their henchmen have also done the same thing. And so they're doing that now. They say, you know, Trump is, when they say actually Trump is a threat to the republic, and the MAGA Republicans are a threat to the republic, they're the real threat to the republic. They really do want to destroy it and allow only their point of view to be heard. And they know that this is an effective tactic because they know that most Americans love the fact that America is a free society and will want to defend it. And so what we have to do constantly is, whenever they do this, point out that this is being done and try to bring the narrative back to truth and sanity. I say this because all too often we have prominent people who are doing good work, and yet they play along with aspects of the leftist narrative. Like, for example, uh, <clears throat> Ted Cruz and Kevin McCarthy 
and other people who should have known better, they endorsed the left's January 6th insurrection narrative. Now that narrative has been exploded and shown to be completely bogus and trying to uh, set up a Reichstag fire moment for Biden. But um, they went along. We must never go along and always point out the projection when it happens. Hi, I'm Nathan Thomas. I'm from Blythe, California. I'm homeschooled. And my dad likes to look at your site, Jihad Watch. And I was just wondering how that came to fruition, how you got started uh, with this site, uh, Jihad Watch. Uh, thank you. I, in the first place, I love that there are a lot of homeschoolers here. And more power to you. The Jihad Watch site I founded in October 2003 because at that time it seemed like one of the foremost threats to our freedom, actually it's still true, but less in the foreground, one of the foremost threats to our freedom was coming from Islamic jihadis. And I wanted a site where uh, you could find all the information out about what they were up to. But there was no such site. And the, uh, the novelist J.D. Salinger, who wrote The Catcher in the Rye that you've probably had to read, he said something uh, once, people asked him, why do you write the books you write? And he says, I write the books that I want to read that don't exist. And I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. I've actually written a few of those myself now. And that's why the Jihad Watch site exists, because I wanted to read it and it wasn't around. Uh, Jihad is very much part of this whole thing because these people, the left, are socialist internationalists. They hate nation states. They think nation states are part of the problem in the world. And the United States being the foremost nation state in the world, they really want to destroy it. That's why they've destroyed the southern border right now. And they want to dilute and destroy the national identity of the country in order to ultimately establish a socialist internationalist world order. And the jihad is part of that in the first place because it destabilizes areas and governments and so they've encouraged mass Muslim migration of which there necessarily will be jihadis into the West, particularly in Europe, not, not as much here, although to some degree here as well. And the left and the Islamic jihadis have in common that they are both authoritarians. They both hate dissent, they both want to crush it and establish an authoritarian order. And that's why they see eye to eye and are working together in this. <clears throat> I'm Sarah, I'm from Buchanan High School, and my question for you is, do you think that we should be able to get around restrictive non-discrimination policies by being respectful and citing our First Amendment religious rights, which are also written in the non-discrimination policies? Yeah, press the contradictions wherever you can. And so they contradict themselves all the time. And when they speak about uh, the First Amendment and the freedom of speech, then you quote their very material to dissent from it and press them to acknowledge the contradiction or to be entangled in it, and then you pressure them on that basis and say, you know, you speak about the freedom of speech and you are not granting it to people who dissent. And so either way you get them. Hi, my name's Josiah. I'm from Clovis, California. 
My question to you is that uh, you had mentioned kind of the Hunter Biden fiasco, uh, the laptop of course, as well as the unregistered firearm, um, which is a felony. If I were to be caught with that, that's major jail time. Exactly. So at what point do we kind of look at the justice system and the Supreme Courts and kind of say, this is not okay and kind of start voting them out of that system? Well, we can't vote out the Supreme Court. Uh, the Justice Department, we've got to vote out in 2024. Uh, if at all possible, we have to also understand, of course, that part of the reason why we're in this fix is because they cheat. And uh, whatever you may think of the 2020 election, you can just look at the 2022 election to see how they cheat. Even if everything is technically legal, the Democrats are making massive use of ballot harvesting and mail-in ballots in order to gain all kinds of votes that they would not have gotten otherwise. And so that has to be addressed. Whether it's addressed in 24 or not will likely make a difference as to who's elected in 24. But even then, it's not over because the more pressure that we manage to bring upon our elected officials or apparently elected officials, the more we will have the opportunity to amend these things in the future. But yeah, the Justice Department is in terrible shape. It needs a t up and down clearing out. The FBI should be closed altogether. The, 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 the country would go on. It <clears throat> lived without the FBI up until 100 years ago, and it can live without the FBI again. The CIA, same thing. These are incredibly corrupt and politicized organizations in which Barack Obama systematically removed people who were patriots and people who were conservatives and left in place people who were okay with the politicization and okay with making them essentially the enforcement arm for the Democratic Party. And this is not uh, crazy talk about abolishing these organizations. Do you know that the CIA was established, for example, by President Harry Truman after World War II? And Harry Truman was president from 1945 to 53. In 1963, a month after the, exactly a month, on December 22nd, 1963, a month after the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, Harry Truman wrote an editorial in the Washington Post saying that the CIA had exceeded the authority that it had been given and was incredibly corrupt and ought to be shut down. And that was 60 years ago. Uh, there's 60 years more evidence that that was true then and is all the more true now. But that can only happen by means of massive change at the ballot box, and that can only be effective by massive return to electoral integrity. So that's what we ought to be focusing on in the short term. <clears throat> Hi, my name is Leighton Spallinger. I go to Dos Pueblos High School here in Angleda, California. And my question to you is, what do we do when schools are constantly fighting us back and not allowing us to speak the truth and allow us to share our views on campus while they allow the left to do whatever they want? Uh, be the thorn in their side. Never give up. It's, it's easy to be discouraged. I understand that. Because it does seem as if they are so powerful and we are not. And it can be easy to feel overwhelmed when you're in the setting 
and the administration is against you and the faculty is against you and the students are against you, but you have the truth on your side and you're right. And so in the first place, we have to, in a certain sense, adjust our expectations. Go in there knowing that the leftist students are going to get preferential treatment and then skewer that and skewer their, their hypocrisy and their dishonesty at every turn and be thoroughly, as the left likes to say, ungovernable. I'm not saying do anything illegal or, or, or against the rules of the school, but just be uh, a constant headache for them so that they uh, begin to understand that they can't just run roughshod over patriotic students, but that there's going to be difficulty and pushback when they do. You know, be, bud, be the Bud Light boycott, in other words. You know about Bud Light and all that? That Bud Light, the beer, they put the trans guy, Dylan Mulvaney, on a can and made him the face of the brand, essentially, and they've suffered massive losses, unprecedented. They were the best-selling beer in the country. Now they're not. And they've lost 20-some billion dollars, and it's still going on. Nobody expected that, you see. The Bud Light people, Anheuser-Busch, they played ball with Dylan Mulvaney because there's a group called the Human Rights Campaign that strong arms corporations into accepting the gay agenda and the trans agenda and all that. And if they don't, then they see if they do accept it, they get these points, corporate equity index points. And if they don't, then they lose the points and then they get boycotts and walkouts and angry editorials and so on. So they've always had pressure from the left. Now for the first time, they have pressure from patriots as well. And now they don't know what to do. They're caught in between both. Be that for the administration. <clears throat> we have time for one final question. Hello, my name is Audrey Orr. I'm a Christian homeschooler from Temecula, California. First of all, it was absolutely lovely to be able to hear you speak. Thank you. Um, I was wondering, what would you recommend the best method be for speaking out against this particular left agenda? The best method? Uh, I'm not quite sure I understand what method, what, what kind of thing do you have in mind? Um, the best way to go about speaking against this. Well, I think that actually what I was saying before is the best strategy to skewer their own hypocrisy and, and inconsistency because they, are, they do feel as if they have to pay lip service to the Constitution and to the Republic. And so you press them on that, like the Disinformation Governance Board was destroyed when people started reminding the regime that they have this First Amendment that guarantees the freedom of speech. And so the Biden administration should have been protecting the freedom of speech, not trying to destroy it. Now, we know what they're all about. We know they don't care about the freedom of speech, but the, most, the vast majority of people have no idea what's going on. And the more that that came to light, the more embarrassed they were. And so this is the poison pill that you can manipulate, that they will affirm, like somebody else said a minute ago, affirm the freedom of speech and then shut you down. So point out that, that they are being hypocr hypocritical and not even consistent with their own stated principles. And that can be very effective in the right way.
So I take it that is all. Thank you. It's delightful to be here, and I hope you have a very fruitful conference and go back to your schools and to your eventual colleges and universities and never give up, never give in, and take the fight to them. Thank you. Thank you.